Hiya, and welcome to the first Sean and Dippy podcast. My name is Nigel Boydell, and I started writing about Sean and Dippy some, gee, 20, 20 odd years ago. Uh, Sean and Dippy are a pair of nerdy wells from the north of England. Uh, they get into some pretty hilarious scrapes. Uh, and later on in this podcast, I'll read you a short Sean and Dippy story. They're only about 10 minutes each. You can actually purchase the paperback, Sean and Diffie the Chronicles, at lulu.com uh, and you can also read uh, the stories at my blog, nigmuncher, that's N-I-G-M-U-N-C-H-R, nigmuncher.blogspot.com. There you go. Just give me a second while I have a swig of a very, very agreeable Chianti I've just bought from the local co-op. Uh, £4.99. Cheap at half the price. Cue drinking music. Every podcast, I'll be reading a short Sean and Diffy story. But before that, I thought we'd like to have a bit of a chat, a little bit of a chit-chat, a bit of a share some anecdotes. And... Um, about any old fucking tosh we can think of on the night. And one thing I'd like to share with you is some anecdotes about a dog I had. I used to have this dog called Norman. He was a black spaniel, a field spaniel, and he was fucking crackers. You know when people say, Hey, I had this dog and it was mad. No, fucking no. I had this dog and it was fucking mad. It was absolutely crackers. Um, I got him when he was about six weeks old. At the time, I was renting a house with three other lads. We rented a new detached house. Um, it was me and Stu and Keith and Steve. And we got Norman. And... Like I say, we were only young lads, early 20s, and we used to get, we used to go out and get absolutely fucking hammered on a Saturday night, absolutely shit faced. And we used to get up in the morning, fucking, all the worst for the word, and we'd just throw Norman out. Right, he'd fucking roam the streets all day, basically. And he used to come back, you know, Spaniels have, they say they have soft mouths for carrying partridges and shit that people have blown away all these rich bastards and so he used to go out and he used to come back with all sorts of fucking rubbish he came back one day with um, half a dozen eggs in a box not a one broken fucking brilliant breakfast and then one day he came back with a fucking soaring loaf a fucking soaring loaf they were great. We lived on omelettes and fucking saurine loaves. Then he started coming back with like a sock or a slipper. Um, we thought, fuck me, we're going to have to put a stop to this. So we took him in hand and in future we just kicked him out into the back garden and he ran round there fucking tearing the plants up and shitting all over the lawn. As they do. And I used to take him to work with me every day from when he was a kid. And... and I worked on drilling rigs at the time, like 
on on land over here, small drilling rigs. And he used to take him and just chuck him out of the Land Rover in the morning and he'd run round, riot all day. He had the most fucking fantastic life. He just ran round like a fucking idiot all day. And I remember one day he came back and you know he was you know how dogs ferret about round fucking asses like all this to do it with the mouths, don't they? Like when they've got a problem up their anus. Anyway, he came back doing this. So I got hold of him and I like lifted his tail up and he got something hanging out of his ass. And what it was, it was a piece of string. He'd eaten a ball of string. He'd fucking eaten a ball of string, the fucking lunatic. Anyway, so what I did, I found a dot leaf. So I got this dot leaf, so I held his ass up and I got all this piece of string and I fucking yanked it and he went, woo, and fucking, ah, and I'm there and I've got a piece of string in one hand, his ass in the other hand, and this piece of string's still going into his ass. So I got hold of it at his ass level again and pulled it, woo, woo, and I kept fucking, woo, I kept fucking doing this for ages. And what he'd done, he'd eaten this ball of string and it was un unravelling itself as I pulled it out. And I fucking pulled out a complete fucking ball of string in metre lengths out of his ass. I'll tell you fucking what, his intestines must have been pristine when I finished with him. Jesus, it fucking crap. What else did he do? Oh, we used to work away a lot. We used to work in the Midlands. And I used to take him with us. And at night, we'd go in the digs and get shit first. And he'd sleep in the Land Rover, which sounds cruel, but it wasn't. Because he'd been running round like an absolute fucking lunatic all day. Non-stop. So we used to put him in the Land Rover. And the woman in the hotel used to boil up fucking rabbit's heads for him. Have you ever seen a boiled rabbit's head? It's fucking hideous. It's like fucking... It's like something off fucking time team. It's got these fucking teeth sticking out the front and it's all like no skin and ball. It's just like brown meat. Fucking disgusting. Honestly. And what we used to do, Land Rovers have sliding windows, so we used to slide the window open and I'd fucking just throw this fucking rabbit's head at him and then you'd have to shut the window and stand back. And he'd walk away, and the fucking Land Rover would be rocking away like bubbly while he ripped seven shades of shit out of this rabbit's head. Fucking lunatic. Where else did he... Fucking, where else did he... Oh, fucking hell. One day, we were all sitting around, and it was Pete, my brother Pete's wedding, and we were waiting to go up. And my mum came down with her fucking fancy clothes on and a hat, like a... You know what they like, fucking... All the women, cake on the red, that kind of thing. I mean, anyway, and she all, she still tells this story. She still pisses her sides when she tells this story. But I had this mate Stuart, and he was sitting there on the couch with a pie, a fucking pie in his hand. And Norman just come fucking hurtling in. He did an enormous fucking circle, and as he passed you, he whipped this fucking pie out of his hand and ran out the door. Well, fucking hell, we were fucking killing ourselves laughing. Stu's fucking going absolutely fucking berserk. I'll kill that fucking dog that were the fucking... And he's running after it. Oh. He threw up... This is the dog, not Stuart. He threw up a whole fucking pigeon behind the couch. Whole fucking pigeon. He must have swallowed it. Fucking all this dead pigeon. Anyway, he also fucking threw up a banana. Oh, Jesus Christ, he was a fan of slit. He was a fucking... I loved the fucking life out of him. 
but mad he was absolutely fucking crackers you know how you like a lot of people you try to train your dog to um let you take your food off him what i used to do i used to get his bowl of food and i'd get a put it in the kitchen and i'd get a brush steel and fucking boom and fucking flirt it off him like a billiard cue and he'd go and he'd be fucking ah, you couldn't go fucking near him he used to go bananas and i i, I thought i was trying to fucking teach him so I could take the food off and went with the other way and just go fucking absolutely lunatic and so what I used to do I used to stand at the kitchen door and every so often I'd go and he'd go fucking mental he'd go absolutely berserk he'd be fucking ripping the kitchen cupboards to bit tearing the fucking line up eating his own legs Jesus oh fucking Christ he was honestly do you know something I don't think he ever got his end away. Do you know, I've never thought of that in 20 years. God, I feel bad now. The least I could have done was give him an hand job, innit? Norman. Fuck me. Anyway, just a short one this time, because I, I, I want to get on and, and, and read you a Sean and Dippy story. Um, so we'll talk about some of the tosh next time. Anyway, Sean and Diffie stories contain very, very strong language, so um, be warned. Anyway, fucking listen to this. Sean and Diffie, Fat Bastard's Caravan. Sean and Diffie slowly approached the rotting hulk that had once been someone's pride and joy. The lustrous shine had long since been replaced by a patina of moss and rust. The curtains, grimy and tobacco stained, stayed obstinately closed on the visitors. Fat bastard! shouted Sean at the firmly closed door. You there, fat bastard! called Diffie a second later. Not like that fat bastard, fat bastard not to be in. He hardly ever goes out these days, does fat bastard. Sean shrugged and made to walk back down the muddy lane to the main road. Sean! called a voice. Fat bastard! called Sean. Diffie! called the same voice. Fat bastard! called Diffie. Come my friends, pray enter my most humble of abodes. Fat bastard stepped back from the door and Sean and Diffie passed through the entrance into Fat Bastard's world. A distant and rather well-bred cooey! Sounded from the top of the lane. Fat bastard! A genteel elderly lady in archetypal twin set and pearls waved one dainty hand as she pushed a bicycle with its grocery laden wicker handlebar basket. Morning, Mrs. Bretherton. How's Father Bretherton? He's fine, thank you, fat bastard. Will we see you at church on Sunday, perhaps? Not a fucking chance. Anyway, all the best to you and your husband. Thank you, fat bastard, and less of the fucking if you don't mind. Have a nice day. Fat bastard waved and closed the door. The inside of fat bastard's caravan would have given any self-respecting member of the health and safety executive a heart attack, if not botulism or Ebola virus, at the very least. 
the filthy grey-brown grease that lay an inch deep across the cooker's long-defunct four-ring gas orb had begun to spread outwards under its own steam, and now covered the seat upon which fat bastard motioned our intrepid pair to sit, in a film slick enough to grace the crest to run. What can I do you fuckers for? grinned fat bastard from behind a fortnight's worth of facial bristle and full English breakfast. Sean shuffled in his grease and Diffin made to stir at something interesting outside the window. Or would have if the window hadn't been so caked in shit as to be almost completely opaque. It's the van, blurted Sean after a moment's hesitation. We want to borrow it, continued Diffin meekly. And it's hardly surprising, my friend. Did I tell you about the bloke from London who offered me... Yes, you did, fat bastard, you fat bastard. Now, can we borrow it or not? That is the fucking question. Sean had been on the receiving end of fat bastard's monotonous diatribes on more than one occasion, and had no intentions of being bored the fuck to death once again. They needed the van, but not fat bastard's bullshit. He was well known locally for his bullshit, was fat bastard. Well known and equally well avoided. What for? Eh? I said, what for? I think I'm entitled to know what nefarious purpose is this salubrious... Salubrious? blurted Sean. It's a shit all on wheels, fat bastard. As well you know. In that case, said fat bastard, opening the door and inviting them to fuck off, you won't be needing said shit all. After all, Sean, Diffy, what would you two eminent gentlemen want with a shit all on wheels? Fat bastard winked at each in turn and made to put the kettle on. Sean's stomach lurched. No thanks, pal, he blurted. No tea for me. My doctor has warned me against eating or drinking anything that might have begun life by exiting a pig's ass. Suit yourself, then, retorted Fat bastard with a shrug. Don't mind if I have a bite, do you? I've had nothing since breakfast. Diffy gagged. Why not just finish that off, then, he said, pointing at Fat bastard's hirsute chin. Most of it's lodged in your fucking beard. Fat bastard roared with laughter, his filthy ample sweater riding up over his filthy ample belly. Seriously, though, silly boys, what the fuck do you want with old Betty? Diffy. Betty? Sean, leave it, Stumpy. Fat bastard. It was me mum's name. She spent most of my youth being filthy in the middle of a field. Ha ha ha! Do you get it, lads? It's a joke. He roared again at his own humour, causing yet another upward rise of the stained knitwear. Very nearly, fat bastard, you fat bastard, sighed Sean. Now, can we do business or fucking what? Fat bastard's blue eyes twinkled at the mention of business. I hear the sound of Crisp's five-pound notes. Let's talk the talk, Sean. I'm all ears. It took Sean and Diffy most of the weekend to resurrect the dilapidated and unwholesomely dire caravan. It left the field a mobile toilet and emerged on Sunday evening a mobile urinal. An improvement, but not much of one. Fat bastard had managed to scam Sean out of £20 and Diffy 10 they tried to explain to him that his home would be considerably more wholesome once it was delivered back to him on Friday. He had explained that within a week it would be back to its original sickeningly unhealthy state, and they had no explanations left. The lads stood back and admired their handiwork. It's like fucking new, isn't it, Diffie, mate? 
If by new you mean it's like a fucking public convenience after the bulldozers have been in, then yes, Sean, it's like fucking new. Back off, short shit. You could eat your dinner off the floor. Course you could, Sean, if you wanted to die of terminal diarrhea. Anyway, Stumpy, it's better than a swift kick in the dick, and it means me and you can get away for a few days R and R. Create a three lager, few bags of crisps, and we sorted, my man. And a bottle of scotch you promised Tam O'Shandy to tow it to the coast with his Land Rover. Don't forget that, Sean. A mere bagatelle, Diffie, a mere bagatelle. This time tomorrow we'll be sitting in the sun, in our shredded, sipping ice-cold lager and taking in the scantily clad sights that only the north-west coastal hotspots can provide. I hope so, Sean. I sincerely hope so. Monday saw our vacationing duo packing the caravan with everything required for a hedonistic week's lazing about doing fuck all. Lager by the crate was stored in the overhead lockers and Chris, by the bag and variety, were packed tight in the storage areas beneath the van's rancid seats. Sean's sleeping bag and Dippy's single duvet were thrown in the cleanest corner available, clean being a purely relative term of course. Diffie had purloined a couple of air fresheners out of his mum's kitchen cupboards, and these were currently fighting a losing battle against the deep-seated orders that had managed to pervade every surface and fabric within the caravan's flimsy steel walls. We fuckers! Tam's aging 2 Series Land Rover ground to a shuddering halt in a cloud of diesel fumes and expletives. Tam himself kicked open the driver's side door and fell into the road in a whiskey-soaked confusion of arms and legs. Are we right then, we fuckers? Let's away to the seaside. Sean turned his back on his present dilemma, that of how to get an 8-inch multi-pack of baked beans into a 7-inch gap between two crates of lager. You're pissed, Tam, for fuck's sake. You can't drive in that condition. Let's face it, you numb Scottish wank. You can't even walk in that condition. Tam hauled himself out of the dirt until he had reached a position somewhere between a crouch and a lope. A cope, perhaps? Or a rope? Anyway, he hauled himself into said position, wavered unsteadily, and fell onto his face once more. You wee fucker, Sean, how fucking dare His second attempt saw him reach the giddy heights of a backpedalling, round-shouldered stoop. His backward propulsion was abruptly arrested by the unyielding side panel of the Land Rover, and Tam had to concede. You're right, wee laddie. Tam's in no fit state to drive anywhere, let alone down the motorway. It's all yours, Sean. He tossed the vehicle's keys into a position where his adult mind had calculated Sean to be standing. They landed in a puddle some twelve feet to the right, and had to be retrieved by a disgruntled Diffie. Tam turned and staggered off in the general direction of the swan, leaving Sean and Diffin looking at each other apprehensively. Sean looked at the keys, then at Diffie, then at the receding figure of Tam, back at Diffie, then at the keys. Up to you then, Stumpy. He pressed the keys into Diffie's sweaty palm and resumed his fight with the bean cans. Diffie knew better than to argue the point, so... Putting the keys in his pocket, he walked round the front of the caravan to familiarise himself with the towing mechanism. Fucking watch out, you pog! Person of restricted growth. You very nearly had my fucking fingers off then. You've got a fucking driving licence, haven't you? No. No? No. 
You never said you hadn't, you daft twat. You never asked, Sean. You haven't got one either, and anyway, you know fucking well I haven't got a driving license. Just like I fucking know well you haven't got one. Well, dwarf boy, we'll just have to take the risk. There's no other way we are going to get this here pile of shite to the coast, and I ain't driving. I've got poor eyesight. Bollocks. Not poor bollocks, Dippy, just poor eyesight. Now get your short little frame back behind the wheel, hitch up, and move out for fuck's sake. After Diffie had sold the Land Rover for the third time, Sean wrenched open the driver's side door, hauled him into the roadway, climbed behind the wheel, ground the vehicle screeching into gear, dropped the clutch, and stalled. I think it's fucked, Sean, said Diffie from his seated position in the gutter. I think you're fucked, short shit. Now get your ass up here and let's be going. We're missing valuable drinking time, not to mention valuable tartogling time. Want me to get you a ladder? Fuck off, Sean. Sorry, Diffie. Couldn't resist. The vehicle lurched off down the road with the caravan weaving behind in its wake. Sean gripped the steering wheel with white knuckles. Diffie gripped the dashboard with white knuckles. If the caravan had had white knuckles, it most certainly would have been gripping the rear of the Land Rover with them. They'd gone some 100 yards without mishap, and Sean's confidence was growing by the moment. They bucked and weaved down the hedge-lined single-track road towards the main dual carriageway that would take them west to the coast. About 200 yards before the junction of the track and the main road lay a bend of some 90 degrees severity. Sean hit it going just a little too fast. Mrs. Bretherton approached the bend in the opposite direction, her wicker handlebar shopping basket replete with groceries and her heart replete with love for the Lord. She sang as she pushed a bicycle, a hymn from the coming Sunday service, one that her husband, the vicar, had chosen for its uplifting joyfulness. She rounded the bend and words of joy were cut short to be replaced by terrified screams. As Sean, Diffie, the Land Rover and the caravan bore down on her like an avenging angel. A drawer dropped open and the colour drained from her face. Being as they were somewhat higher and in a more advantageous position from which to view the surrounding countryside, Sean and Diffie had already seen the vicar's wife and had therefore already dropped their jaws to the chest and assumed the colour and demeanour of a pair of petrified pillowcases. The distance between the two-ton steel agricultural vehicle and the 120-pound soft and yielding vicar's wife diminished with a rapidity that left Sean only one option. He wrenched the steering wheel of the Land Rover hard right and it and the trailer bounced down the trackside drainage ditch over a slight mound at the other side through the blackthorn and honeysuckle boundary hedge and into the adjoining field where it came to rest in a cloud of steam and broken axles. Sean and Diffie felt themselves to make sure nothing was broken. Mrs. Bretherton stood rigid in the middle of the road but neither of the lads was too eager to go and feel her to make sure nothing was broken. They climbed out of the stricken vehicle and stood in the field surveying the damage. The Land Rover, to its credit, appeared undamaged by the altercation with the ditch, hedge and field. The same, I'm afraid, could not be said of the caravan. Although the bodywork seemed not to be in any worse order than it had been when the lads took possession of it, the axle now appeared to be sitting in two constituent parts, one under the van and the other in the ditch. That's fuck that then, Diffie said Sean, looking from one to the other. Diffie looked over his shoulder, then nudged Sean. I think we are fucked too, he said. 
Here comes Fat Bastard. Fat Bastard hauled his frame through the tattered gap in the hedge and wobbled across the ploughed ridges of the field towards them. Rather than the expected murderous look, he beamed across his fat face like a fat child with a pie. Hey up lads, he chortled. You made a grand job of that. What do you think, Mrs. Bretherton? Fat Bastard, stuttered Mrs. Bretherton. Is that you, you Fat Bastard? It certainly is, Mrs. Bretherton. You okay, love? Fat Bastard, you Fat Bastard. I am neither okay, nor am I your love. Two things have just happened. One wonderful, and one not so wonderful. Go on, prompted Fat Bastard. One, I have just had a vision of my place in the kingdom of heaven, and it would appear I am to be well catered for. And two, I have just shat my pants. She grasped the handlebars of the bicycle and wandered off up the lane like a zombie. They watched her go until she disappeared around a blind bend, then turned to face each other. Sorry, fat bastard, said Diffie, expecting a broadside of expletives at the very least. No sweat, Diffie. In fact, lads, I owe you two a debt of gratitude. For what exactly? interjected Diffie. Well, smiled fat bastard, I have long been thinking of relocating a little nearer town, but being somewhat lacking in the internal combustion front. No car? Exactly, Sean. No car. So up till now, I have been, how can you put it, fucked. You two have by dint of your abject incompetence solved my dilemma in one fell swoop. I have not only moved to a more salubrious location, but have been blessed with cupboards rammed to the doors with food and drink. Hang on, fat bastard, you fat bastard, blurted Sean. Them's mine and Diffie's. Fat bastard was inspecting the shattered axle with some interest. He looked at Sean and Diffie in turn and winked the wink. You're a robbing bastard, fat bastard, said Sean. But I suppose we are partially responsible for the damage caused, although I reckon Breddy's mum has something to do with it, the god's squadding liability. Come, Diffie. They trudged across the field towards the gap through which the Land Rover had bounced. They would have to tell Tam of the mishap, but seeing that the Land Rover was still in one piece and apparently unscathed, they reckoned in his advanced state of inebriation he would see the funny side. Sean turned to Diffie. What time is it, my little motorcrossing friend? Two. Pub. Pub. As all this go, it had been... brief. 